Welcome to the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is the Out of the Park podcast series. We invite you to join us for other programming you can find on our website at www.framparkcenter.org. Join us. I'm Wes Avram, the director of the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life. You're listening to the Out of the Park podcast series from the Fran Park Center. I am joined today on one side of the microphone by the Reverend Leah Quarles, who's the associate pastor for Congregational Life and Family Ministries at Pinnacle Presbyterian Church, that the church that hosts the Park Center. She's very involved in Park Center activities. And on the other side of the microphone today, we are joined by Reverend Luke Doratus. Pastor Doratus is the leader of Harmony Ministries, a multiple site ministry with churches and schools throughout the nation of Haiti. Pinnacle Presbyterian Church has been involved uh, for many years in support and learning from Harmony Ministries. Pastor Luke is a regular visitor. And so we thought we'd take advantage of his presence today to have another one of our podcast conversations about common life, about how we share life together across geography, across race and experience, across ideology, across the differences that make a difference in the world, but God might see them a bit differently than we do. So we want to understand how we share life together. Pastor Luke, welcome to the Out of the Park podcast series. Thank you so much for the invitation. And Leah, welcome uh, on this side of the microphone as well. Happy to be here. Leah, so our listeners know, also has uh, long ties to Haiti and the Dominican Republic, having worked there for a period of time with the Foundation for Peace, having made several visits in various capacities in mission support there. And so she brings far more experience than I do, so I should just uh, give this whole conversation over to Luke and Leah. But I wanted to mention one thing that we are broadcasting on a day that there is news that has come out of the United Nations of a request to member nations for $720 million of support for the nation of Haiti, given the challenges that Haiti is facing today. That uh, support has not been pledged, but the unprecedented nature of that request from the United Nations says something, doesn't, about what's happening in Haiti today. Um, Pastor, could you tell us a little bit about day-to-day life in Port-au-Prince and in the villages today where you work? Uh, yes, Pastor. Uh, the the life is in in Haiti at this moment. Uh, present time is really surviving, and uh, when I say surviving, it's really under surviving because the people are suffering uh, from uh, from gangs being terrorized, from uh, kidnappers. And uh, the life of the people has been very difficult. The, uh, no security for us because the people are leaving their home from different communities. And uh, sometimes they don't even know where they're going to spend the, the night. So it's very difficult. And humanitarianly, <coughs> it's not easy for them at this time at all. My wife works in healthcare, as you know, and she's very interested in the work of partners in health in Haiti. And we, so we receive some updates from them, and we read that their hospitals have had to cut back severely on the services they offer. And doctors and nurses, at least in Port-au-Prince, are sleeping in the hospital 
uh, for their own safety. Uh, does that sound right to you? And that's, is that an indication of what's happening? That sounds right. And uh, because the, doc- the doctors are afraid for their life because they've been kidnapping. And also, uh, there are uh, the doctors without borders that are leaving the country. The hospital has been closed. Mm because lack of medicine, they cannot find medicine to prescribe, you know, to the patients. So it's very hard for the doctors at this time, even for the clinic, to stay open. But we do have in the neighborhood where we have the church compound, we have a medical clinic that works four days a week, and uh, the medical supply, sometimes you go, and they tell you we don't have such such medicine, but we have to really try to do what we can to help the patients that are coming to receive health care. What is the average income of a, of a individual or a family in Haiti? Uh, the average income is very. It's hard to say uh, because most of the people are really not working. And they are buying things and resell, use clothes, you know, go to the public market, you know, buy potatoes, pineapple, bananas, planting, whatever they can put their hands on to really make a few pennies off them or what they are selling. And that's on the average. Uh, that they are making. But uh, those that are working within the government, they are really struggling because sometimes they they do not get paid on time. Three, four months never get paid, and they have to go and borrow money from other people until they get paid, and sometimes they charge them high interest. But the, the the suffering is really bad in Haiti at this present moment. And not that long ago, the Haitian president was executed. Yes. And there's what I understand is there's still no leader. They still don't know who did who did the killing, but there were people hired from uh, Colombia, and uh, with the Haitian uh, high class, some of them has been arrested and they are in jail in Miami. Wow. So United States are taking taking that uh, taking that as at hand to mm-hmm. really try to find out who did the killing. Hmm. And there's no no one in a position of leadership though in Haiti now. There's I'd, still no president. There is no president, but the prime minister, Ariel Henry, is acting as prime minister and president at the same time. And then uh, he's the minister of Department of Interior. So he holds many hats at this time. Wow. Look, one of the images that I'm seeing, you know, thinking about and in the Old Testament of God's call to the people of Israel when they were in exile, when they had no political power, when they were in an oppressive situation in which others were in charge. And yet 
the, the call to the people in exile is still to be a blessing to their city. And which leads me to wonder about what, minist- what ministry looks like in your setting when you don't have power, when every day is a challenge, and when people present their own challenges to you, and, and yet you still feel called to be engaged, to be connected, to be a blessing in the city. What does blessing look like where you are? In the neighborhood where we are, where the church is planted, in the compound is the medical clinic, is the church, and also the school. And we have uh, a nice yard, courtyard, for the, for the people to come and also for the children to play. But at the same time, Pastor, it's, it's really a big challenge because uh, when the people are coming to church, the children are coming to school, and some, if there is uh, some problem along the way coming, so the parents has to come as fast as they can mm-hmm. to withdraw this the the kids you know from from the school so it's not an easy way at all uh, because it's really hard to be in the field of haiti doing ministry but as god call us to be there and I, sometimes i feel if i run away from f- away from the people i will feel guilty because uh, the shepherd supposed to be with with the with the sheep, so that's what keep us there, watching and feeding them spiritually and physically. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, pastor, what I you know during the pandemic, uh, we could not even go to church, but. Uh, I had a list of almost all the people in the church with their phone number mm-hmm. and trying to give them a, you know, a call, let them know we are praying for them, and also we're trying to see if they eat, if uh, they have a, you know, how they're spending the night or mm-hmm. the day, because a phone call to anyone in distress mean a lot because when they hear you, they, if they were discouraged, then uh, they say, well, the pastor is thinking about me and he's praying for me, then I have hope to keep on living. You do that for your people and your flock. I do that for my people and the flocks, even other even other people that not in the flock, mm-hmm. but uh, that live uh, in different parts of uh, Port-au-Prince and uh, who are in danger, when they hear you, give them a phone call. If the call can pass through, it means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. It does give hope. And I'm wondering how you, as the leader, find hope. In the word. Knowing God is watching and uh, keep on looking up, even though Jehoshaphat did say, did say I, the king of Jehoshaphat did say, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to turn, but my eyes is looking up 
to God. So with that, hope and faith will keep us going until God says it's enough. And one day we know he will come and say, well done. How do you imagine future in that kind of situation? How do you imagine what next? what's next? Or does that kind of limit of what you imagine get closer and closer and closer to the day you're living in? It's kind, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine for the future. But when people say, well, I don't see any hope for Haiti. And one will say, I don't see any hope. One will say, well, let's keep on looking up. God has to do something for the nation of Haiti. Mm -hmm. And that's what really keeps us knowing and knowing one day he will stop his feet and say that I'm in command. <laughs> so the the hope is knowing the the gang, the kidnappers will give up, and mm -hmm. God will reign. Mm -hmm. That's our hope. I knew a pastor some years ago who was working in one in an American city, in a neighborhood, a part of the city where the gangs were strong and powerful. And at one point, he said, "You know." We spent a lot of time trying to punish and stop, he said, but he looked at the gangs and said, these are actually very, in some ways, very intelligent and savvy business people. And so he began to treat them that way, and he hired them. He would find young men were in the gangs, and he would hire them to do work. Mm. And he said, because you're, you're the smartest people in the neighborhood, and I need you. And he pulled them out through creating other kinds of opportunities. He was in a context where he had the kind of support he could do that, but I'm not suggesting that where you are. But I'm wondering about how do you think in ministry, how do you think outside of what is the normal solutions? When, how do you stay open to new possibilities when the need is so great around you? Uh, what you just said, uh, it's true. I was listening to a man. He was a deputy. So he was saying over the radio, on the news, if the leaders who are in control will come and call or go to the gangs and tell them, you know, we will give you a job, we will make supply for you. And also from that, you know, things will be changing. And so the leaders that are in power, that's what we thought they would do, but most of the time they don't want to negotiate mm. with them. But I believe the negotiation will do a lot of good mm -hmm. to them if they would accept to go to them. This is um, a question you can answer or not, if you, however you choose, but I find myself wondering about the ministry and how it is that the ministry is protected. Uh, Lots of prayer. A lot of prayer. <laughs> a lot of prayers, uh, because uh, we have to stay in constant prayer, constant consecration with with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because He's the one who is watching over us, and then. At the same time, don't just looking for 
we have to esteem each other. We have to esteem each other. And that's what Paul was mm -hmm. telling the Philippian people, even though I'm in jail, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm rejoicing. So, and he said, let's be, let's be in the same mind. Let's stay, let's stand together. Let's unite it. Don't be concentrated on yourself, mm. but concentrate on the others. What you just shared reminds me of what you shared outside of here, which is that you've invited the gang members to church. Yes. And I think that that's really remarkable because as a pastor myself, I would be worried about my my flock. <laughs> I just invited gang members to my church, but that's what Jesus invites us mm -hmm. to do. And I think you are showing them dignity, recognizing that they are worthy of the invitation, just like we are, to come and know Jesus Christ. And perhaps, I mean, you said they showed up on Easter Sunday. They did. Respectfully dressed. Respectfully dressed. And they were in the congregation I didn't even know. Mm. But after church service, they come and smiling and say, Pastor, you see, I'm here. Mm. I'm here. And I was happy that they were there. I would like to think, and it sounds like, it, they respect that. They, they appreciate it because at the end of the day, they are children of God as well and they are worthy of the invitation mm -hmm. and I can't help but have hope and wonder what that experience what seeds it's planted yes that God can continue to water and grow and, and grow. maybe use for for significant change exactly and that's really what we're called to do I mean think outside yeah. of the box <laughs> I mean that's <laughs> that's evangelism yes well, Leah, in your own ministry, you're constantly reminding us of the equality of partnership, right? And I've heard you speak about that, about how we, um, in in ministry, it's like, you know, the old image that in, that in, in God's love, when a gift is given, you don't know who gave it and who received it, because the joy is the same on each side. The, equi the equivalence of um, the first and the last, that we, we are together in this work, which it leads me to the mission question a little bit about how, about even to know more what we, what those churches who are in a position to provide support and care, what we also have to learn. What is the witness and power of church where you are and the work that you're doing that we need to know that we don't know? You know, Pastor Wes, you know, uh, what, what we do, at this time we cannot, we, we cannot do it, but years ago and even two years ago what we do on every first Sunday uh, in the afternoon we we can release the people a little bit early so they could go home and have a bite to eat and come back around three o'clock we would go to to the neighborhood mm -hmm. and then let the people know a group, you know, big, you know, group, you know, the Boy Scouts, you know, accompany us and we go to the neighborhood knocking on doors, people that are playing dominoes, you know, we ask them, you know, they, they stop playing the dominoes and then evangelize to them. Let them know there is a church in the neighborhood. Mm. 
and that church is planted for them. So they need to come and uh, and see what God is doing and hearing. We do not tell them come and get to church and get converted, but we tell we invite them to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, and many times we in on this spot they can we share with them you know Romans you know Romans ten verse nine and ten you know. Let them know they have to confess Jesus Christ, you know, as Lord and Savior in their life. And then, you know, recite, you know, John 3, 16. Mm-hmm. But at least on every first Sunday, we go in the neighborhood, invite them to come, and then knock on different doors, get in the corridor of their, of their home in that neighborhood and really let them know yeah and then and then when on sunday we always ask them is there any visitors so many would stand and we would say who invite you to come mm. Mm. and they would say well you were coming in the neighborhood and uh and during the easter week we had two weeks of revival so we asked members to bring somebody with you invite somebody to come to come and then for the one person one bring 20 people for the for the two weeks invite wow. invite people so that's good that's a good invitation yeah. one person brought 20 20 wow you know in so much of american life well i shouldn't say that middle class american life is shaped around uh, div- dividing parts of our life, compartmentalizing life, right? Church is over there, school is over there, work's over here, recreation is over there, mm-hmm. the club is over there, all of these different pieces of life that never, you know, for, if you cross over those borders, you're considered to be trespassing, you know? And uh, so I, I'm trying to imagine people in North Scottsdale where where we're located right now, going out into the neighborhoods. First of all, you the, you you face a garage before you ever get to a door, or a <laughs> gate before you get to the community, or people aren't home; they're somewhere else, or you, or they would never they wouldn't answer the door, what? reach people and say, "Hey, we're here." Yes. And you're there. Yes. Who, who are you? Absolutely, and I think that's what we do learn from Pastor Luke and their church is that it's invite invitation. You can have the most attractive graphics and flashy sermon series titles and the most amazing programs. But if you don't have people going and inviting, then then how is it going to spread? How do you find out? And from what I understand in my research um, on church growth and and whatnot is you can have the biggest budget for all the best advertisements and and social media posts and websites, but the most impactful, efficient way to grow your ministry is one one to one invitation and follow up. Yes, yeah. and follow <laughs> up. Yes, and then and it's the invite of the friend, of the neighbor, of your barber bartender mm. whomever it might be because while we don't have a a walkable community like mm-hmm. many of the communities in mm-hmm. Haiti we yes. have to work with the communities yeah. we have well i think about the resurrection too and 
Jesus, the resurrect, the news of the resurrection um, spread by word of mouth, spread mm-hmm. person to person before there was ever a large crowd. Yeah. Uh, it didn't spread by a big rally or a, or a big sign and billboard. It was one person talking to another and a small group in a yeah. room. And um, well, The woman at the well. Jesus yeah. meets the woman at the well. And mm-hmm. what does she go? Come and see. Come and see. It's an invitation. invitation. And she was an outsider t- in our community. And an outsider co- is the one that extends the invitation. Mm-hmm. Come and see about this man, you know. Come and see. Yeah. And the word spread. If you're, if Ronit is your wife, and yes. she's very involved in the ministry too, and if she were here with us in this podcast, she'd be telling us about the ministry she does among women. Yes. Right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that, about how um, women are very much a part of your ministry at Harmony Ministries, reaching out to girls, to women in various ways? Women are very important <laughs> in life in the ministry because uh, you find more women to church coming to church go to different parts doing missionary work than the men but our need she has I can say she has a special call in her life in bring you know in organi- organizing the women's, the widows, mm-hmm. and uh, teaching them even the young girls in the church, and uh, she's really to me she's really special. Girls are a large group of your students in your schools. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything that we can specifically be praying about for you and Harmony Ministries? Uh, first of all is to pray for the peace, the security for the country so we can be at peace and vacating on the street, do what we used to do, go to different parts, you know, in the rural part of uh, of Haiti where we have the church uh, satellite. And we need to do that because uh, the deacons need to go, and also I need to go to mm-hmm. see about the work. And in Leogan, we are building the church now, and we just spend, send our funds to the associate ministers to do the construction. And uh, praise God is using the fund in the right way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, and also pray for my family, you know, my you know, my daughter and my son, and mostly for our need to be in Haiti with me at ease because when she go, sometimes we, she's worried that uh, the airplane, you know, may not be flying, mm. so she could be uh, there and then cannot come back to to the state. Yeah. So we need prayer for that and also for more funds, you know, to come so we can accommodate and help the young people that need to go to the ninth grade, 7th grade, you know, 10th grade to finish even their high school and also 
those that really like to go to university and learn. Even they may not be able to go to university, but to learn a trade to really help help themselves in the long run. Thank you so much for being with us today, this week, and for sharing all that you have. Um, It is a joy to hear from you. It is a joy for me to be here and appreciate for all the efforts, you know, you, Pastor Wes, and also Brother Mark Lineweber, mm-hmm. uh, who was really make sure, even though plane was canceled, the, the flight were canceled in Fort Lauderdale, but somehow right away he make effort to find American airline in Miami <laughs> so I could wow. travel, wow. you know, from Miami to Orlando, Orlando to... Wow. Phoenix. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you. For your love, for the work, and partnering with Harmony Ministries well, in Port au Haiti. We love you and the work and, uh, and pray for you every day. Thank you. This is the Fran Park Center for Faith and Life, the Out of the Park podcast series. Uh, check out franparkcenter.org to learn more about this series and other opportunities to the Park Center. Thanks for joining us at our Out of the Park podcast series. If you like this program and would like to check out more, go to our website at www.framparkcenter.org.